I invite you to turn to Ephesians chapter 5 tonight. We want to look at uh, verses 8 through 14. Walking light is what I've titled the message here. And let's ask the Lord to bless our study together. Lord, again, we thank you for the privilege to assemble in freedom. We take it for granted, but uh, Lord, we are blessed and we we do thank you for uh, all the blessings that we enjoy. And uh, Lord, we thank you for, uh, most of all, all that we have in Jesus Christ and and just uh, the privilege to study uh, the truth of Christ, the truth of Scripture tonight. Give me grace to to teach accurately, bless our interaction, and uh, thank you again for the privilege to pray as well. So we commit our study to you. And also for the SEMO study going on tonight, we ask your blessing on that and, and that uh, the young ladies there would have ears to hear and you would cause that to be a fruitful study as well. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, we are in Ephesians. Uh, has the theme of uh, the church and uh, first three chapters, positional uh, truth, doctrinal emphasis, and that is Paul's pattern. Emphasizing is union, union with Christ, union with each other. That's really the emphasis of what makes up the church. We have a relationship with Christ. We have a special relationship with each other. And so that's the church. Then he builds on that practical truth. Keep the unity, build the unity, live the unity. And then we saw last time walk in love and tonight walk in light. And of course, uh, it all goes together here. But uh, we saw last time in chapter 5, verses 1 through 7, Uh, In terms of love, what relates to love, uh, what not to do, and what we should do in relationship to what characterizes our our walking in love. Well, uh, tonight we're looking at light. Uh, What we do as far as our our walk, as far as walking in light, uh, is to now reflect who we are in the Lord. And uh, let's have somebody read verse 8. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 8. We'll start with just verse 8. Who wants to read it? Yeah, Mac? For we were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of God. Okay. How did that verse, that first part of that verse read, Mac, uh, how, that, about darkness? What's it say there? You were once, in, you were once darkness. There you go. You weren't in darkness. You once were darkness. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, this is a contrast between what we were as unbelievers and what we now are as believers. We were darkness. It's not just where we were. It's what, what we were. We were darkness. And now we're light. And uh, what a contrast. You know, it always reminds me of what my mother told me after I got saved and came home and talked to her. She said, this is like night and day. Yep, that fits. Uh, You were once darkness, but now you're light. Again, uh, not merely the environment we were in. It's what we ourselves were. We are we're we're personalized here as as formerly being darkness. Uh, This was our character. Uh, We clearly belonged to the dark side before we were saved. And uh, but notice what it says here. You were once darkness. You're not that anymore. Uh, This is where you were. That's not where you are now. Uh, There's been a change. A transformation has happened. Uh, You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Our union with Christ has brought about transformation. Where now what characterizes us is light. Uh, We are God-dwelt luminaries now, if you will. I mean, Christ is the light of the world. 
We know that from John 8, 12. He now lives inside of us. The Holy Spirit lives inside. God lives inside of us. And we are now light in the Lord. We share in Christ's life. And uh, we share in his nature. Again, it's not merely that we're in the light, but we are light in the Lord. Uh, Again, related to our character now, our new nature in the Lord. And again, the source, of course, is the Lord. You were once darkness, but now are light in the Lord. And so therefore, he says, walk as children of light. Present tense, this is how you ought to be walking as a, as a way of life. Uh, light is used uh, metaphorically in the scriptures, two primary ways related to uh, intellect, related to understanding. You have light, uh, you see, right? You, you understand, uh, you comprehend. Uh, so it's used in, in that sense, but it's also used in relationship to morality. Uh, to walk in darkness is to walk in a, in a way that is not moral. Uh, to walk in light is in relationship to holiness. And so there, there's uh, really a double emphasis here. Uh, we uh, are children of light, and this is to be characterized by truth and holiness in, in our lives. Now, one thing about light and darkness, they are complete contrasts, right? Darkness and light, what do they have in common? Where's common ground between light and darkness? Uh, No common ground. A complete contrast is being drawn here. And so, uh, you know, there's a right way and there's a wrong way as far as God's truth. You don't say, well, God kind of deals in the fuzzy, you know. Uh, No, he doesn't. There's, There's right and there's wrong. And there's truth, and there is that which is false. We now align with the light, not with the darkness. This is uh, what characterizes us. This is our our nature. I think this relates back to here, by the way, uh, here in verse 8, he speaks of us as children of light, and that's in uh, distinction to what we saw back in verse 6, where he talks about uh, the wrath of God that comes on the sons of disobedience. Uh, They're sons of disobedience. Uh, We are children of light. And therefore, uh, we are to live, in effect, what we are. We're to live accordingly. Uh, And our conduct flows from our nature. It is to flow from our nature as children of light. We are to live accordingly. Okay, Uh, any other thoughts before we press on to uh, verses 9 and 10? Okay. We have thoroughly covered it, evidently. All right, somebody want to read verses 9 and 10 for us? Mickey? For the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Okay, very good. Uh, Note uh, here, uh, my translation, New King James, they, they got it wrong here. It says uh, here, uh, New King James, for the fruit of the Spirit. Really, the older manuscripts read here, uh, the fruit of the light. And that would seem to be consistent with what we have here. Uh, Note, uh, for the fruit of the Spirit, uh, the weight of manuscript evidence here indicates this should read fruit of the light. The context also argues for this, as does the counterbalancing unfruitful works of darkness in verse 11. All the way through here, he's making a contrast between light and darkness. So it would be consistent that that's what really we're talking about is the the fruit of the light here. 
And what is it? It's in all goodness. No, it's uh, in all. It's to saturate our lives. It's to dominate our, our experience. The fruit of the light is in all goodness. Goodness is that which is beneficial. It's benevolent. It's always kind of interesting to me how these, uh, you know, religious Jews could uh, accuse uh, Jesus of doing the things he did by Beelzebub, by, by the power of Satan. It doesn't take a lot of thinking to realize oh, that's a terrible conclusion because what kind of things did Jesus do? Did he go about wrecking people's lives? No, he went about healing people. He went about helping people. He, he went about doing good, as the Bible says. And so uh, that which is beneficial, benevolent. By the way, uh, goodness is uh, part of the fruit of the Spirit, as we find in Galatians 5.22. So it's, it's the idea of goodness is a combination of love and kindness in action. That, that's the idea. Uh, this is the light, uh, the fruit of the light. It's goodness. It's righteousness. Uh, righteousness simply means uh, rightness, that which is right, that which is right behavior or, or right, what is right before God. And truth. Truth relates to integrity, uh, honesty, transparent, uh, properly transparent, not hiding anything. Uh, so this is consistent with the fruit of the light. And then uh, verse 10 continues on, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. The idea here is to put to the test. It's the idea of evaluating, discerning, proving. Uh, the idea is to evaluate everything through the grid of God's light and thus finding out what is acceptable to God. We want to test all behavior. And uh, we want to uh, live in terms of what is acceptable to God. Uh, William McDonald says, put every thought, word, and action to the test. What does the Lord think about this? How does it appear in his presence? Every area of life comes under the searchlight. Uh, conversation, standard of living, clothes, books, business, pleasures, entertainments, uh, furniture, friendships, vacations, cars, and sports. Yeah, everything should come under the spotlight of God's light. Uh, and uh, what is uh, acceptable to the Lord. Certainly on Judgment Day, this will be the issue as he evaluates our lives uh, in terms of reward or lack of reward. I mean, that's the issue of the believer's judgment. Uh, I mean, uh, the penalty of sin has been already dealt with at the cross. You know, that's, that's not the issue of the believer's judgment. But uh, we want to live in such a way that uh, we are acceptable to the Lord as, as a spotlight is, is on our lives. Okay, uh, shine the light of God's truth on everything in a discerning way. It should, we should put everything through that grid as far as what's acceptable to the Lord, um, you know, in terms of every part of our lives. Okay, any other thoughts? Yes, Michael. That's for sure. Uh, you know, I think about 1 Corinthians 2.14. Uh, he was spiritual judges all things. You know, so, I mean, we are discerning. And we're not the final judge, for sure, but we are constantly discerning. We're constantly thinking through the grid of God's light in terms of everything that's going on in our life and all that's going on around us. Uh, absolutely. Uh, they, they love to pull out that judge, judge not. But uh, even that they get wrong because in context, it's don't judge as a hypocrite is really the emphasis there in Matthew 7. All right. Very good. Yes, Bill. Um, in terms of discernment, would you say that's 
say discernment is a mark of a Christian or a mark of a mature Christian? Yes. <laughs> I, I think as Christians, you know, we, we, we are green, obviously, we grow in our discernment. But I think as even a brand new Christian, you have come to the light, uh, you have seen the truth of who Jesus Christ is, that begins the discerning process right there. But then you grow in your maturity and your strength and so forth. So, but yeah, I think that starts as a believer. You see in a way that you never saw before uh, when you've come to the light. So, yeah. Good question. All right. Anything else? Yes, Marilyn? Right. The Holy Spirit is helping us to be discerning. That's right. Uh, John talks about you have an anointing uh, by which you know all things in First John 2 there. So absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, no credit to us. I mean, apart from the illumina- illuminating work of the Holy Spirit, we wouldn't see anything. That, that's for sure. Yeah. Good point. All right. Anything else? All right. Let's have somebody read uh, verses 11 and 12. Who wants to read that? 11 and 12. Yes. Liam. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done in secret. Okay. Well, very good. Uh, have no fellowship. Uh, the idea of fellowship is uh, uh, to partake with. Uh, so the idea here is uh, don't have any participation with the unfruitful works of darkness. Fellowship, again, that idea of sharing in common. Uh, We don't want to share in the things of of darkness. Have no fellowship. Uh, This is really biblical separation, right? You say, well, are are you a person who believes in biblical separation? Well, you might ask the question, do you believe in Ephesians 5.11, right? Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, which tells us what? To some degree... I guess you can do that, right? I mean, he tells us not to do it. Therefore, to some degree, it's possible to do it. You can participate in the unfruitful works of darkness, certainly uh, to a point, which is why we are told not to do this. Uh, we are not to associate, uh, not to uh, have fellowship uh, with the unfruitful works of darkness. Unfruitful is the idea of unhealthy, unproductive, barren, uh, unfruitful works. Uh, you know, we want to be fruitful. Not unfruitful. The unfruitful works of of darkness. Paul has specific works or deeds in view. In the context of chapters 4 and 5, Paul has named lewdness, uncleanness, greediness, deceitful lust, lying, theft, corrupt speaking, bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking, malice, fornication, covetousness, filthiness, foolish talking, coarse jesting, and idolatry. These are the things which typify the unfruitful works of darkness. Don't have fellowship with these things. Don't participate in these things. It's really what he's saying in the uh, context of chapter 4 and, and 5. <clears throat> yeah. Sure. Question. I, I found it interesting, you know, that he doesn't say, do not have fellowship or do not get together with the people who practice these things. <laughs> Good point. Uh, and yet, you know, in 2 Corinthians 6, be not an equal yoke together with unbelievers. And he does say, what does, you know, darkness have to do with light and so forth in that same context? But I t- point well taken, we are to reach out to these people. We are to build friendships with these people, and, as Jesus did, and yet not participate in their works is what your point is, right? Yeah. Amen to that. That's right. 
yeah, if we just go to our holy huddle and we never have any contact with these people, how are we ever going to reach them, right? So we do need to reach out and befriend them as we can and show love to them, evangelistically love them, right? All right, anyone else? Okay, no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Oh boy, this could get convicting. <laughs> no pun intended. Actually, pun intended. <laughs> Uh, we're not to have anything to do with the unfruitful works of darkness as, as far as um, practice. But we are to expose them. We are to expose them. Right there could cut the dinner short, Vince. <laughs> uh, we're not to do, but we are to stand against. We are to expose these things. We are to expose them. Um, Light does two things. It cannot coexist with darkness, and it exposes what is in the dark. And uh, that's what will get you in trouble. You know, Jesus said in John chapter 7, the world cannot hate you, but it hates me, because he testifies of its sin. And so that's what will get you in trouble. And uh, so, and I think you're probably doing one, if if you're not in fellowship, you're probably exposing to some degree. Simply even by not being in fellowship, by not going there, not being willing to participate. It, it makes a statement. Um, note uh, the proper function of light is to expose. And people need uh, to have the reality of their sin exposed. They, they need to do, it's part of what we do as Christians. Now, we want to do so in a winsome way, in a wise way. But yet that is the function of light. And we are the light. I mean... Christ is the light, but I mean, he said there, uh, now you are light in the Lord. That, that's part of the way God uses us. All, he's the ultimate source, of course, no glory to us. But uh, we have a light ministry. Now, that's what he's talking. He's talking to us. Have no fellowship, but rather expose. This is our responsibility. We are to be doing this. We are to be taking a, a light stand. Not L-I-T-E, but L-I-G-H-T, Right? Uh, that's the that is what is to define us. But what is uh, what is the emphasis today? If you're really walking in love, you will tolerate, right? Uh, you're not going to expose. I mean, that's kind of being a hater now. You're a hater if you really take a strong stand, and so it gets all kind of twisted. Uh, the emphasis here is uh, we are to be exposing, rather expose them or re- or reprove them. And again, so many say, you know, love never offends. Uh, it uh, kind of just skates along with everything. Uh, it's never, you know, judgmental. And we want, you know, proper biblical balance and everything. But uh, light does offend those who don't want to be exposed. Never forget that. Light offends those that are not willing to repent. Until people repent, uh, they're like uh, rats screaming for the darkness. <laughs> they want to get away from the light. The light bothers them. It offends them. John chapter 3. You know, they, they don't want to have anything to do with the light. And yet that's, that's our ministry. We are light. It's, there's a reason people a lot of times don't want to be around Christians. Now, we reach out to them in love and, and so forth. But if they don't want to have anything to do with the light, you know, once I got saved and I was really a child of the light, all my dark friends, you know where they went? 
I'd like you to tell me because I don't know where they went, but they went somewhere. Uh, they left. They left. I remember my best friend I grew up with, uh, you know, all the way through high school, and we were rooming together. And after I got saved, you know, one of our other friends that lived with us was getting married. So it was obvious we're going to have to have a change in our living accommodations. But I asked him, I said, now, you know, you know what I'm about. And uh, do you, you kind of want to continue room together? Uh-uh. Nope. He wanted to go his own way here. Yeah, which is, <clears throat> it was fine with me too. But anyway, we were on different paths at that point. Light offends. It exposes. The same word translated expose in Ephesians 5.11 is used of the Spirit's ministry of conviction in John 16.8. So basically, same Greek word. The idea is to bring conviction or correction, reproof, rebuke. It is though God's children are a bunch of convicting light scattered throughout the world, shining light on sin. It is a loving ministry, but the world does not appreciate it, just as was the case with Jesus. Boy, how out of sync is what I've got written up there with a lot of popular teaching even today. Yeah, Vince? Right. This guy in Washington, right? Uh, David Platt. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is, this is, we're supposed to be sound evangelical people. Right, I know it. And that just, anyways. Going along with it, yeah. You, you read of these things all the time. I mean, somewhere I read this week that Amy Grant came out and she's endorsing the LGBT, you know, community now. And uh, just one thing after, I mean, it's just like, they're just accommodating one after another after another. A lot of these big names that supposedly were evangelical, whatever, out here caving, caving, caving. So, yeah, interesting times in which we live. Uh, I've got one more slide here. A word of caution. This does not mean that we are constantly to be verbally trumpeting sin at every turn. Uh, I do think we should be consistently standing against sin, but not always just verbally. Uh, you preach with your life as well as words. In context, just having no fellowship is a form of exposure. Light exposes without ever making a sound. Letting our light shine in a convicting way involves both lifestyle and words. So, uh, you know, we, we, need, we need both. Uh, we need to be ready to speak, but we also, boy, we better be living it. <laughs> if you're speaking it and you're not living it, what do we call that? Hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. Anyway, so we need both. Yeah, you were going to say something? Well, I was just going to say that, that you hit it earlier. Uh, it, it all depends on your attitude, too, how mm-hmm. you're going to expose it. Right. Yep, that's right. Yes, Bill? It seems to me that when I was an unbeliever, that, that um, exposing the darkness was an evangelistic tactic that was used on me. <laughs> um, I mean, because in, in a way it is. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And just this kid. And um, those guys, you know, would be warming up, practicing and stuff, and they would ask me questions. And, you know, they would talk about the Mormon, why did I think it was valid? Talk about Joseph Jr. You know, what do you think about this? You know, these are the facts of his life. And they were kind of, uh, they were kind of blunted. <laughs> and, you know, I would go home a little angry, but no, I would think about those 
Yeah. Well, amen. That's a great testimony right there, as far as what we're talking about right here. Amen. Absolutely. Uh, shining the light in evangelism, that's what we're talking about. That's the exact thing we're talking about here. That's the whole point here. Not just to make people feel uncomfortable, is to lead them to the light, as we will see even as we go on our text here. Absolutely. Very good. All right. Anything else? Yes, Tom. You know that preacher David Platt? Yes, I do. Yeah? yeah, that's what Vince had just mentioned. You know when he changed the name of his church? Did you hear about that? Uh, Melody. Melody. <laughs> what? <laughs> you heard Melody? Melody. Melody. He says, this church should be called Melody. Melody. Oh, boy. Skin color. <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I hadn't heard that. <laughs> now, I'm not sure if he was just... You know, was, it, was he just being funny? Did they actually change the name of the church? Well, I'm not sure. Did they change it, Tom? Yes, they changed the name of it. I, um, I heard that on John McCarthy. Oh, for Pete's sake. Okay. I had not heard that. <laughs> Wokeness knows no bounds, I guess. Uh, anyway. All right. Uh, verse 12. And notice what he says. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. But then he says... Expose him. But then he says, verse 12, For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. He's talking about perverted things uh, that relate to the darkness. And uh, they are shameful things. And they are things uh, done in secret. And uh, he says to expose them in verse 11. And yet he says, uh, it's shameful even to speak of those things. So how can you do that? You're not even to talk about it, but you're to expose them. Well, how do you do that? Well, I think there's a balance here. Paul is not saying that these things should never be properly exposed verbally, as he has just done, but rather that the sordid details of such activity are not even proper for Christians to talk about. Uh, Such intimate and explicit details are themselves defiling. Uh, Paul does deal with these things, but in a general way, not in a graphic way that focuses on lurid details. The emphasis then is that the, the light of truth is to expose, but not deal with sordid and graphic details. We simply need to shine the light of truth on such activity, not to shamefully wallow in the lewd details. Base descriptive conversation about the perverted depravities of man is not edifying, nor does it contribute to sanctification. So I think we deal with these things in in a wise way. You know, we don't need to get into all the gory details as far as what they're doing. Uh, It's not healthy. Uh, And sometimes, you know, you kind of want to, you know, we know a famous couple. It just happens that in our family, we know a famous couple. And, uh, you know, there was uh, some unfaithfulness here. And now it's all coming out in in the newspapers here. It's kind of interesting to read about all those details. You know, the flesh kind of gets interested in those things. But it's not edifying. And uh, Jane and I both kind of said, you know, this isn't good. We don't even want to know all the details here. <laughs> it's not even healthy for us after a while. So I think that's the idea here. Um, sure, we expose on a certain level. And I think we follow the parameters of Scripture. How does Paul do this? Well, we see how he does it right here as he's describing it. 
uh, and he describes certain things here in the, in the context of chapter 4 and 5. But uh, we don't go into all the details here. All right, any other thoughts there? Yeah, Tom? Right. And uh, when that light is gone, when all hell is I agree. I think the Holy Spirit working through the church is the restrainer in the world. It's the Holy Spirit but working through the church. That's God's what God's doing. You remove that, yeah. Yeah, we are in a very dark time. The tribulation period ensues. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, let's have somebody read. Uh, let's break up verse 13 and 14. Uh, who wants to read verse uh, 13 here? Okay, Albert. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. You want me to read 14? No, I, I, yours reads just a little different than mine. <laughs> mine has a little more there. Yeah, that's fine. Why don't you read it again? Okay, yep, all right, very good. So, um, he's now kind of getting into what is the ministry of the light, which we are the light, as we saw in verse 8. You are light in the Lord. And now he's talking about all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. This is what the light does. It exposes. If you're letting your light shine, it's going to expose. Uh, This is the nature of light. It reveals uh, darkness conceals, but light reveals. And so he says, uh, really in effect here, that we are, are instruments of communication, communicating God's truth, the truth of his light. And uh, if people are going to see the truth, they need the light. Uh, light helps them to see. And that's that's our, the goal here. So... Uh, Light is not in uh, contradiction to love. We know where to walk in love. We saw that last time. But uh, light and love go together. Walk in love, first seven verses. Now tonight, 8 through 14, uh, walk in light. And my translation here is, uh, Albert, yours says makes visible at the end. Mine says whatever makes manifest is light. Uh, literally everything being manifested is light. Um, Let's see here. Stott says this. First, when anything uh, is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. But he seems to be describing a second stage in what light does. It actually transforms what it illumines into light. For as their light shines, what it makes visible suddenly is light. Just as the Ephesians themselves are light. They were darkness, right? It's been a transformation to where they're now light. Well, how did that happen? Well, it happened in conjunction with light. (laughs) That seems to be the idea. Exposure sounds negative, showing people up for what they are, judgmental, condemning. And it is that. Maybe we ought to pause there for just a moment, right? Exposure really is, it does kind of show people up for what they are. It is judgmental in that sense. Uh, It is condemning in that sense, right? 
Say, I feel called to this ministry. Well, you know, calm down. <laughs> but, uh, but it is that. Light does do that. But the light which exposes has a positive evangelistic power also. And indeed, it does. Uh, the work of evangelism involves the work of conviction. Now, it's the Holy Spirit who ultimately convicts the world of sin, of righteousness, of judgment. We know it's the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit works through human instruments. We have a part to play in this, just as uh, we do uh, in evangelism here. And part of that role that we play is we are instruments of conviction against the Holy Spirit who does it, but we bring the message of conviction. We shine the light of the gospel, which convicts people. And... uh, this is where it gets a little challenging as far as the, the nitty-gritty work of evangelism, as far as showing people their sin and their need of Christ. I can't stress enough just how important the work of conviction is in helping people to see their sin. We need to get people lost, uh, so to speak, and then get them saved. Uh, this is the order in Paul's gospel presentation in Romans as he first deals with the subject of sin. Uh, after the prologue, this is the first major theme he deals with in the systematic presentation of the gospel. Uh, people tend to think they are all right. Um, you think you're a good enough person to get, go to heaven? Well, maybe they might say, I hope so. Uh, you know, uh, They tend to think they're all right. They are inherently self-righteous, tend to be. Um, there's people that do admit, well, I'm going to hell. But most people think they're going to heaven. At least that's my experience. They somehow think they're going to get there. They think, you know, look around. They say, well, I'm, I think I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, I'm just better than even most others. <laughs> uh, we need to unmask them and expose them. They need to be convicted to where they see uh, that they are not all right, but rather they are all wrong. This is the exposing ministry of light. And again, we want to walk in wisdom towards them that are outside, as Paul says. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt. I really like your testimony, Bill, as far as those guys were kind of gently bringing this. And and that's the idea here. You know, not in a harsh, forceful, but yet the light is shining. The light is shining. And uh, we're involved in that that ministry. All right. Um, Anyone else? Yes, Anita? Yeah. And they don't want to listen at all. Right. Truth and love always go together. We are to share the truth in love. We shine the light in, in love, in a loving way, out of sincere concern for them. And uh, yeah, there's a tone, there's a proper spirit about things for sure. And yet, you know, it's hard sometimes to hit just the right balance because if we really are shining the light that's exposing, that's probably going to cause a reaction here that's not always appreciated. And they will say slanderous things like you're not being loving. They'll, they'll say slanderous things. Well, that's turning me off. Well, it's turning you off because you're not accepting the light. So we got to be, you know, it's, it's a balancing act here as far as how we, how we respond to them. But, but, you, but you're right. All right. Anything else? Okay, let's have somebody read verse 14 to finish us out here tonight. Terry? That is why he says, Wake up, you who sleep, and arise from the dead, and Messiah shall shine on you. Okay, very good, thanks. Uh, We come to uh, the invitation verse, right? This is the invitation verse. Uh, The reality of the light calls for a response. How are you going to respond to the light? That becomes the ultimate issue. 
therefore, he says, an invitation to respond to the light. And he has some uh, quotes here. Uh, we don't really know where he gets these quotes. Are they kind of fragments from the Old Testament in different places? We can see maybe where he gets this, a few places, kind of maybe... Uh, putting together a combination of uh, certain pieces from the Old Testament. Others say they think this might be reflective of an early Christian hymn that he's quoting here. Uh, We don't really know, but evidently his early readers probably did, if that was the case. But the point is, light calls for a response. Light calls for a response. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep. This is a call to repentance, really. Awake you who sleep. Uh, Respond to the gospel light. This is, is, um, you know, not a pun. It's a wake-up call, right? It's a wake-up call to respond to the light. And I think this happens every time the believers shine the light of gospel truth. It's a wake-up call. It's a call to respond. A convicting wake-up call, if you will. Awake you who sleep. I don't, some say, well, this is addressed to believers. I don't think so, because you go on here, arise from the dead. Uh, that fits better with spiritually dead than spiritually alive. You know, believers are not said to be dead. We're, we're alive in Christ. Uh, and, and not only that, he goes on to say, in Christ will give you light. We, we already are the light. As we saw in verse 8, so this seems to fit with unbelievers uh, in my estimation here. This applies to the lost. Uh, Awake you who sleep, arise from the dead. And of course we know we we can't do this. It's, you know, resurrection life is God's doing. Only he can raise the dead. We don't raise ourselves. But uh, we are called to respond to the light. And that's what we have here is an emphasis on that. And uh, Christ uh, will give you light. Uh, Ultimately, Christ gives the light. Uh, We are merely instruments that, uh, in effect, uh, bring the light in the sense of sharing the gospel light with people. But Christ ultimately is the one uh, who gives uh, you light. But notice again, there's kind of this tension here between God's sovereignty and human response and human responsibility here. He's calling for them to respond, and as they do so, and Christ will give you light. We might think the other way around, right? Christ will give you light, and therefore you respond. And in a sense, that's true. I mean, nobody responds apart from uh, the Holy Spirit shining the light of conviction in their hearts. So uh, note uh, this emphasis here in 2 Corinthians, which is, by the way, this is one of my favorite verses in the New Testament on the gospel. I love this verse. Uh, It speaks of the miracle of of regeneration and how it happens. It is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. That's Genesis 1-3. Who is shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. This is supernatural activity. God shines the light in people's heart. And then William MacDonald again says here, the life of the believer should always be preaching a sermon. Should always be exposing the surrounding darkness should always be extending this invitation to unbelievers. That's, that's constantly what we're doing. Well, let me uh, wrap up with just a few concluding slides here. Light in the scriptures. I note these five categories of light related to the scriptures here. Uh, there is a light of conviction. Uh, you know, unsaved people can be under conviction and not respond to that conviction. That's a light of conviction. Uh, why do you always resist the Holy Spirit? Stephen says in Acts chapter 7. Uh, 
the light of conviction, uh, the light of conversion. Now, some people might confuse uh, the light of conviction. They're really under conviction. I'm sure they're saved. Well, maybe they're just under conviction. There's a difference between that and the light of conversion, where they've really embraced the tr- seen the truth and embraced it. You can see the truth under the conviction of the Holy Spirit and yet reject it. And we'll see that in a moment here. The light of illumination. After we're converted, you know, the illuminating work of the Holy Spirit continues. As we have the Holy Spirit now, we grow in grace and understanding. But then there's the light of glory. When we see Him, we shall be like Him. We shall be known even, uh, we shall know even as we are known, right? Uh, The light of glory. And then the light of eternity. Uh, You know, in that new Jerusalem, what lights the city? The Lamb is the light. (laughs) <laughs> the, the, the light of eternity. So a light in the scriptures. Uh, I like this quote by uh, B.F. Westcott. Uh, he who convicts another places the truth of the case in dispute in a clear light before him. So that it must be seen and acknowledges truth. He who then rejects the conclusion which the exposition involves, rejects it with his eyes open and at his peril. Truth seen as truth carries with it condemnation to all who refuse to welcome it. That's true. Uh, you know, truth is a, a, a dangerous thing. Uh, you have to respond to it. Uh, today, if you will hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. I'm always kind of amazed in the Old Testament of Balaam. You know, some of the, we have some of the greatest prophecies given through this, this unbelieving prophet. He's clearly classified as a, a false prophet who did not know the Lord as we look at all the scriptures in the New Testament. But he said this in uh, Numbers twenty four sixteen: The utterance of him who hears the words of God and has the knowledge of the Most High, who sees the vision of the Almighty, who falls down with his eyes wide open. Here's, a, here's an example of a man who went to hell with his eyes wide open. In, in one sense, in terms of what God showed him. Uh, he has the knowledge of the Most High. He hears the words of God. He's admitting it. Wow, this is Balaam. You understand, this guy was not a believer, clearly not, as described further in the New Testament. But he had some uh, insight there. 2 Peter 2.20, For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that's the gospel, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the latter end is worse for them than the beginning. And he goes on to say it had been better if they had never known than after they have known uh, to turn from the Holy Commandment. Uh, This is people that have, uh, they've had some level of interaction with the Holy Spirit. And uh, they've seen on some level of conviction, not conversion, but conviction. Hebrews 10, 26, For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, which in the New Testament is code for the gospel, the knowledge of the truth. God desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Uh, Sinning willfully, we willfully reject after we've received the knowledge. Okay, it's been brought to us. The Holy Spirit has worked like we see in Second Peter, but no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. He's talking to uh, those wanting to go back to Judaism. If you reject the truth of Christ and his sacrifice, there's, there's no other. There's no other truth. There's, there's no other sacrifice for, for sins. So, uh, this issue of truth is really pretty big deal before God, for which all will give an account. Uh, we are not responsible for how people respond to the truth, right? I mean, that's really between them and God. But we are responsible, in a sense, to shine the light, the light of the gospel, 
the light to shine in our lives as far as to see, hey, God's in our life. And they must see it on display. In that sense, the light is shining. What they do with it is ultimately between them and God. But I say truth is a, is a dangerous thing. You can't just say, well, I'm just going to kind of remain neutral on that. No, light forces you either to respond to it positively or to respond negatively. Are you going to accept it? You're going to reject it. What are you going to do with the light? That becomes the ultimate issue here. And so he says, awake you, sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. You have to respond. All right. Any other thoughts as we wrap up here tonight? Yes, Michael. It seems really basic, but when we're looking at this passage, and you showed that slide that had all of the different types of light that we have, um, we understand light to be true, righteousness, holiness. Our only source for being able to truly understand what those things are is the Bible. And when we look at, obviously the way that the world works is very different, but the way that sometimes we alluded to the way that Progressive church or the church at large is making a lot of these strange decisions, and it seems like they're caving to a lot of things that the world is looking towards. It's it's a. I was talking to a different pastor um, about this recently, where it's uh, it's very easy to react against the political implications of the progressive church or or all of these other things, but the root cause is way worse and it probably manifests in a way uh, regardless, which is. It seems like right now the progressive church is getting its idea of light and its idea of truth from culture instead of getting light from the Bible and then using that light to expose the problems of culture. And it seems so basic, and I think it's really easy to uh, gut react against political decisions or whatever that are getting made right now instead of understanding that the only way to truly get truth is from the Bible, and it's all kind of a hermeneutics issue. Understanding the truth, being able to apply the truth correctly, instead of accidentally falling into the trap of getting truth from a source that ultimately, if it isn't the Bible, it's the world. Amen, brother. Uh, Michael, we ought to have you preach a sermon. I mean, that's good stuff right there. Amen to that. And uh, yeah, I think what is the the root issue here? That's really what you're talking about here. And it goes back to what is light? How do we even understand what is light? Where do we get the light? From the word of God uh, alone. That's for sure. This, this is our source. And if you're looking to something else, no wonder you're out here in a fog like, you know, and they talk a lot about loving your neighbor, you know, and, and so forth. And well, yeah, we are to love our neighbor, but, you know, <laughs> what, what does it mean to be light here? Yeah. Okay. Anything else? Yes, Tom. Oh, yeah. Okay, so 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 a Babylon B type thing almost or something. Somebody no, a gentleman from a group that's suing Oh, so this is an enemy of Platt. Okay, yeah, yep, 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 yep. Thank you for shining some light on that. Yeah, yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, Platt is full of wokeness for sure, but we don't want to slander either. 
Okay. Anything else? All right. Let's go ahead and share some prayer requests. And...